former U.S. National Rugby Team captain. Team captain. Head coach and general manager. General manager. Now, the co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Now. Now. Full contact CEO with Alex Magleby. Hey everyone, thanks for joining Full Contact CEO today. I'm your host, Alex Magleby. I'm also co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Joining me today is a very special guest, Charlie Shuey, Director for New England for Delta. Uh, 25 years of experience in the airline and travel industry, an industry that is so, so important to all of us, but certainly in uh, sports entertainment, very key. And full disclosure, the Free Jacks were uh, proud partners with Delta and the world-class company and a world-class airline. Charlie, Thanks for joining me today. Alex, couldn't be happier to be here and just a uh, pleasure to, to spend some time with you like this. Yeah, I'm so excited to learn. You know, Delta is just, it is such a world-class company and the culture that you guys have fostered there for your employees and your and your customers. There's a lot we can learn as we um, gl- grow to try to be a global brand as well. So this is really cool. We're going to start with a bit of wordplay, if you don't mind. I'm sure. sure. We're going to say a word or two words as <laughs> you say whatever comes to your mind. Cool? Okay. Missed connection. Missed connection, I would say bummer. That is not a good experience. You do not want to have that. Runway. Runway. Uh, Takeoff. Kind of taking off and going somewhere. Awesome. Lost luggage. Another bummer in our industry. That's a big bummer, I would say. Uh, You do not want that to happen. Favorite holiday. Favorite holiday. I would say Halloween. I'm a big uh, candy sweet tooth guy. We're getting ready for it, for sure. New England. New England, uh, that, that is making me think of home. That's where I'm from. Uh, so I guess that's the first thought for me. That's awesome. And Charlie, just a segue there. How did you get into the position you're in? So let's work backwards. Uh, sure. You're now you're, you're director of New England for Delta. Um, but you've come at this from a lot of different angles for a long time, you know, the airline industry. And let's just kind of jump back and, and go through go through how you got to where you are today. Sure. Um, so... For me, it's it's something that I've always had this passion and, and desire to be in the industry. I think it was really when I was seven years old, uh, I went into the cockpit of a plane over uh, Europe and saw the view while we were up in the air, which is something hard to imagine today, being in a, in a plane flying at 10,000 or 30,000 feet and going into the cockpit. But for me, that was when I was hooked on the industry and, and flying in general. I wanted to be a pilot. And uh, all of my friends were jealous back then that I already knew what I wanted to do. And um, so that stayed through with uh, high school. I actually was kind of an airline nerd. I had a scrapbook of airline <laughs> CEOs uh, and had their biography. Uh, I don't think anyone really had that back then. Um, and then in college, I did do my thesis on the airline industry and really was just uh, taken by the whole industry as a whole. I think uh, at that point, I realized that most pilots had gone through mili- the military and wanted to get more into the business side. So I uh, started working for, uh, at that point, United in the summertime uh, at O'Hare Airport. And then um, Went back to grad school and got recruited down to Dallas with American Airlines, where I was there for 13 years in a number of different roles like uh, the loyalty department and, and revenue management. Uh, got into sales, came home to Boston with American Airlines in 2004 when the Red Sox made their big push that year and, and won for the first time. So I do tell people it was my coming back to Boston is the reason they won. Um, and then uh, stayed with American until 2012 when uh, I got the phone call from Delta and had a great opportunity to come over to be with Delta and have been there since. Uh, so just really always in the airline industry, having that passion as a kid really kind of drove me and um, just couldn't be happier for me. I feel like I'm in the industry that I love 
in the city that I'm, I'm from and absolutely love and at the company that I, I couldn't be happier to be at with Delta. So it's, it's a really great place to be for me uh, at this point. That's awesome. Can we can we just say how nerdy and awesome that was that you had a scrapbook of airline CEOs? <laughs> I'm one of those people that actually keeps things. I wonder if it's it's uh, in my parents' attic somewhere. Yeah. Uh, that is so great. Yeah. I thought I was eight years old. I sent a letter to Stanford saying, um, "Look out for my application in ten years." I think I was trying to get a free sticker or something, but uh, that yeah, is way that is way cooler. That yeah. Is awesome. One thing just to mention that uh, I do talk to a lot of people about with that are in that age of, of college or even just someone that's trying to figure out a, a new career. Uh, something that I always tell people is, is what is it that you're interested in? Uh, for me, it was always if I wasn't even working in the airline industry, the first thing that I would be reading about, whether it was a Google search or uh, in the news, was what's happening in the airline industry. That's what I just genuinely was passionate about. Um, and then second thing was, what are you, what's easy for you and what's easy for you is not necessarily easy is something that you're actually very skilled and, and good at. And so, um, you put those two things together and, and you have a career and a lot of young people, I, I kind of use that example for me for, you know, I, I love the airline industry and I just really love meeting people and getting to know their story. And so sales is a perfect role for me. So you put those two together and, and it's not a career. It's, it's a, it's, you know, a joy to come to work every day. So a little just thing to share that I, I, I talked to a lot of people about. Yeah, which is awesome. And, and, but it doesn't mean you don't work really hard and you're toiling and everything else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You'll work. Exactly. In that position, the position you're, you've, I mean, you've seen the airline industries from a lot of different angles then and been a part of some kind of macro shifts and just what's that experience been like, you know, from, you know, consolidation and the decentralization originally. And, um, you know, what, what happens next? Where does the airline industry go? Yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, always evolving and changing. That's for sure. And, and that's something that's really exciting to be in the industry because it is changing so much. Um, you're never bored. There's always something happening. Um, and there's so many aspects that are, are impacting our industry, whether it's uh, political or economic or, weather related or whether it's the threat of, of terrorism and unions and all the different dynamics. And then obviously you're dealing in a service industry where you're trying to provide um, just customers a high level of service when you've got so many moving parts from a logistics perspective and the operation. So it's, it's got a lot of pieces to it that, that keeps you enter, uh, engaged and, and really focused on uh, the changes that are happening and, and trying to adapt. So uh, that's something we always, it's a mantra we always have uh, if you're in the industry that if you don't like change, it's not the right industry for you. Um, and so I think that that over time, you've definitely seen a lot, obviously, with 9-11 uh, and changes with from a security perspective. Um, and you've seen a lot of consolidation as, as a result of the, the recession in 2009. Um, I think for us, it's Northwest and Delta, sorry, and Delta that have come together uh, with United and Continental, American and U.S. Air. Um, and, and just a lot of consolidation over time, which I think has helped our industry survive and, and get through some of these tough times. And obviously we've got the, the, the ultimate, uh, challenge right now with COVID. And, um, you've got a lot of airlines that are, if they're internationally heavy, um, some, some of the more international airlines out there are at more at risk because they're just so reliant on the international travel. Um, for us, it's, it's actually, we're in a place where, We've been able to raise a, a ton of money. I think we're over 20 billion now uh, that we've been able to raise and, and get access to. So we know financially we're going to be okay to make it through, uh, but it's just a matter of, of adapting and 
Um, there's been a big focus, as you know, on, on clean and, and, uh, and all the, the uh, cleanliness efforts to make sure that people are safe from a cleanliness perspective as well from a health perspective. So um, it's really adapting to that change and, and kind of working through that. Yeah, it's really, Delta is really impressive in that regard, you know, driving um, the rest of the air industry forward, which is very, very cool. And, and so you've got a very heavy asset industry a lot of people like how how is it how are you guys organized so how does that what are the mechanics here like new england and then you got the other big hub atlanta and then you know, kind of delta here in the u.s and then delta everywhere how does that work how, how are you guys organized yeah so uh we've got what we call four core hubs uh so we've got atlanta detroit minneapolis and salt lake city and those are our big mega hubs we've actually got over a thousand flights historically at least in atlanta uh, which is the largest and busiest airport in the world. Um, so those are our core hubs. And then we've got our coastal hubs. And we've got Seattle, L.A., New York, and Boston that are all coastal hubs. And so those are areas that we're very focused on growing and investing in. So it's it's not just the network, uh, although that's a big part of it. It's also the community um, and really investing in, in partnerships and, and doing things like we've done with you guys, with the Free Jacks. Um, to make sure that we're, we're getting the word out about Delta's commitment to Boston. Um, so that's a little bit about how we're structured. And then Atlanta is our headquarters, and we've got a bunch of different teams down there that work with us here in Boston, for example, the marketing team um, and our revenue management team and our loyalty team. There's a lot of different groups that are, are behind us that are helping us to make sure we get what we need to to get the word out about Delta and, and, and make sure we're uh, providing the service that everyone's expecting here, which is great. It's awesome. And, you know, for Major League Rugby, you basically named almost all of our cities, which is so cool. I think we need to add, we need to add in a D- Detroit team and a Minneapolis team. <laughs> in the- oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, 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 cool. Very cool. And about Delta just in general, I mean, Delta at one stage, you know, Delta had even gone bankrupt in the early 2000s. And, you know, now it's the, you know, Fortune would say that it's the one of the top places to work in the world. The only airline that's in that kind of in that category and, you know, Wall Street Journal, top U.S. airline and most awarded airline in the world and a lot of accolades. But what's behind that? Like what, why, how does that work? Yeah, it's been a great place. And that's why uh, coming here has just been such a great experience for me. Um, one of the stories I talk about is, is well, first of all, it's the culture. Uh, it's a big part of it. And, and the the people at Delta and, and the way everyone is treated is is absolutely the secret sauce. Um, and it's actually a simple uh, circle that we we have. And it's it's about taking care of your employees first. And then the employees will take care of our customers. And then the customers will take care of the company, which will then invest back in the employees. And so that's kind of our secret sauce. It's very simple. Um but it really works, especially in a service industry where you want your frontline employees to be very welcoming and empathetic and, and do the right thing in, in the right moment to take care of our customers. So that's a little bit of the secret sauce. But when I first came over, it was really interesting. Um, uh, I came over from American, obviously. And when I was leaving, one of the flight attendants at American said, good for you, Charlie. You're getting out of here. And it was kind of this kind of you were stuck in jail kind of mindset. There was a lot of battling between the unions and management. And within a month of being at Delta, we had a leadership conference and there were 4,000 managers in a, at the meeting that day. And every year they uh, would have a different group kind of do an entertainment piece of the meeting. This year it was the pilots. 
And they had a, a song and a, uh, that they were a video that they had put together. And then all of a sudden this curtain opened up and there was a rock band of pilots playing and 20 captains came in in their uniform and the entire room stood up. And I'm telling you, it was a 10 minute standing ovation uh, between management and the pilots uh, showing how much they cared about each other and really being there for each other. And it was emotional. Um, it was very different. And that just shows just one example of how everyone is, is working together. It's, it's very much a family feeling that if you reach out to someone, even though it's not their area, that they will be there to help you and do whatever they can to, to help you. Um, and it's not siloed. It's, it's very much uh, collaborative. And I think that's 100% the, the culture coming through and, and, uh, we've got rules of the road that are talking about being very humble. Uh, servant leadership is a big part of it. And that's a big part of my management style as well. It's about taking care of your employees and really being there for them. Uh, another big mantra is listen, act, listen. So we're very much focused on what uh, our employees are saying, what our customers are saying, responding to that, and then listening again and, and going back and understanding what they need and what's the next thing. Um, one other big thing is keep climbing is a, is a tagline that we use. And it's this concept of continuous improvement um, and trying to constantly get better. And no matter how good you're doing and all the accolades that you mentioned, uh, we're very humble and, and know that that could change quickly. And so we want to continually get better and do, do as much as we can to improve things. And so that's a little bit about, about the story behind it. I know that in your industry, I've kind of know Owen Cahill uh, on your team. He's such a Great guy. Uh, really enjoy spending time with him. But he said that uh, the rugby mantra is hungry and humble. And uh, I think that that really fits with Delta as well. It's that kind of let's do everything we can to succeed, but also stay humble when, when, when there is success. And yeah, I absolutely love that, how you guys have defined your culture and you live it with actual actions, which is which is the really hard part. Like it's, 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 it's value driven, but you actually live those actions all the time. That's There's right. So much- so much to pull out of that. Yeah. For us, it's when we say humble, we're really effectively saying is we're going to put the community first, uh, the community, the team, and then ourselves. It's not that we're not taking care of ourselves. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's, that's, we, we just make sure we prioritize. And that hungry is exactly like you talked about. The keep climbing is really the ability to do work. Good things are happening. Bad things are happening to continue to move things forward. Right. And I think that's, that's really important to us. And a really important piece for us as well, that, I think is a human condition and it helps with adaptability and create creativity is have fun. And for us, that's our kind of our, our three pillars of, of driving this thing forward. The hard part, you know, is, is not just identifying those, but actually living those and creating those behaviors. And what are those norms every day um, that you guys live by? And you mentioned that in your prioritization, employees first at Delta customers, company, it's that virtuous cycle you know, I think in Culture Code, um, the book, you know, Danny Meyer from, um, what is it, Gramercy Tavern and, and, and Shake Shack, you know, we're talked about in, in that regard. And, and just and just how important that is, that, that cycle, which you guys, which you guys do. You, you, mentioned, right. you, you mentioned servant leadership. Do you want to you know, define that a bit more? And, and how do you how do you see that? Yeah, we've been really lucky with uh, our leaders and our, our it starts at the top with our CEO, Ed Bastian. He uh he is just a superstar and, and a lot of people feel like he could, he could do even bigger things than, than uh, even just being in the airline industry. And he, he lives the, 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 the mantra that we just talked about as far as taking care of employees. He does such a good job of connecting with the employees. But um, 
I think from a, from a strategy perspective, it's been a, a really interesting thing to see that Delta has taken kind of a different path than other airlines and not necessarily followed everybody. It's about uh, charting your own course and, and thinking about things differently. And so one example I think is, is a really cool one is that we, have, uh, we purchased an oil refinery and this was about uh, six or seven years ago and everyone thought it was the craziest thing, but what it was is for us, uh, jet fuel is such a high cost for us. It's a high percentage of our, our cost. And so the way it works is, is we, we don't have uh, gas that you would put into your car. It's, it's special fuel that you would put into a plane and the way it works is, is you take oil and you have to refine it at a refinery. And the, the first, let's say, 80% of that is refined into gas that you put into your car. But the highest percentage, that top 20% that's refined at a different level, is put into our, our planes as jet fuel. And so what we did was, um, well, one of the pieces of that is we pay, we pay a premium. So there's, it's called the crack spread, but it's the difference between what we pay for jet fuel and what the price of, uh, for oil is. And that number kept going up and up and up over the last, call, call it the last decade. So that's the industry having to pay that. And so we said, you know what, if we buy an oil refinery, we can actually um, cut out a big chunk of that, that refinery cost. And so ultimately what we're doing is we are getting jet fuel at cost from a refinery perspective. And all the other airlines are having to pay that premium. And then what we're doing is we're actually using the, the, the gas that would be for cars and doing a swap with uh, major gas producers to get the jet fuel at other locations around the country at cost and give them the cost, the, the gas for cars at cost. So it's a really unique opportunity for us to, to manage something that is is a big chunk of our costs. And it ultimately saves literally like $300 million a year in savings that we're, we're getting or generating because of that. So something very unique and different that no one would ever thought of is, is just one example of how we're doing that. A couple other ones that are, are really cool is uh, in our industry, um, having an older fleet sounds like a bad idea uh, versus some of the newer planes. And Part of that is because they they might have maintenance costs that are higher or that kind of thing. But we actually have taken an older fleet that we've had at Delta, refurbished the interior. So you're in, inside, you feel like it's a brand new plane. But we've done um, such a good job with our maintenance that we have had uh, the most unbelievable operational reliability for the last couple of years. And we literally had 250 days in 2018 and 2019 that we had zero cancellations of our entire day. So we're talking over 5,000 flights. And that's because we had an unbelievable investment in predictive maintenance. So one just simple way to say it is, but you know, the light bulb's going to go out after a certain period of time. Don't wait for it to go out and then change it, change it beforehand. So you've got all sorts of analytics that we can predict when things are going to happen and take care of those things before they do. And, and that's just permeating throughout the entire operation. So um, 250 days, the closest other airline on that is like 10 days that they had without canceling a flight that day. So just really far and away uh, competing with other airlines and being different than other airlines. And people obviously know that when you have a canceled flight, uh, we were also number one in on-time performance for the last three years, uh, far and away uh, with all sorts of different things we've done there. So just making sure that our, our customers have a great experience um, and then the, the most recent example is really about the COVID and, and how we've addressed the COVID crisis with 
going to the extreme uh, with 200 changes to what we're doing as far as cleaning the planes on every turn and um, and using electrostatic spraying on every single flight to um, obviously wearing having people wear masks, but having a limitation on the number of seats that we're selling, capping the, the, the flights at 60%, blocking the middle seats, um, and just doing a whole host of things with investment in, in antimicrobial bins and there's just a million things we're doing there. So we're really taking it to another level from a leadership perspective on, on that front, which is great. Which is fantastic. I love the marketing campaign around what you guys are doing in terms of the, the limiting capacity, but just, you know, your Instagram on, you know, creating areas where people can go and find out what exactly is happening. The video you guys made, which, which is awesome. And just like, no, we're making this safe. Uh, so you can go do the things you need to do and, and partake in the economy and, um, and, and we can move forward. I think it's, it's brilliant how you guys have done that. You mentioned the oil refinery example. And for, in our business, I think the way I would, I would equate that for us is um, it, building an academy system is highly intensive. It's expensive, probably like building an oil, oil refinery. But if you do it and you do it correctly, then you're producing your own players in a way. And then the additional players can go out to the market, but you're, you're, you're basically creating the, the players that you want. And effectively you guys have done that with jet fuel, which is very cool. And, 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 and figured out the risk versus reward between that high, high asset kind of building something like that, but that what actually the positives are in that regard and the maintenance, very cool lesson, I think as well. But, Cause you guys didn't chase like the, you guys didn't do have a lot of the seven, three, seven maxes or any of those problems. But. Yeah, that was a crazy one. Uh, we actually dodged that. We did not have any of those in our fleet. And, um, that was a big challenge. I know they're still working through that right now, trying to get certification from the FAA. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and how customers respond to it. Yeah, and a really important lesson there for us in sports entertainment is the kind of the shiny object syndrome, right? Whether that's on the field or off, chasing the newest shiny object, but in actuality of just being consistent with what you already do, doing it really, really well, tuning that up, being being world-class at making those things run and operate really well is a, is a great lesson, uh, certainly for us and for me. Uh, I absolutely love that. Um, yeah. Very cool. And then, you know, is now Coastal Hub, Boston, um, some pretty cool things you guys are doing there. It's a great feel when you get into the airport. But now you have you can go to Dublin, right? Like that's going to be a big one for the Free Jacks as we take the academy teams um, yep. to Europe and Ireland. Um, tell me a bit about that. Yeah. So, uh, the, the big thing about Boston that's great is the geography of it. And geography is a big deal in our industry, as you can imagine. Um, with Boston being the, the farthest east major city on the east coast, it actually provides economics where we can get to places like Dublin, uh, and Shannon and a lot of places along the, the western seaboard, if you will, of, of Europe. Um, uh, we actually started service last year to Edinburgh. Um, we had uh, Lisbon as well. And because of the distance, we actually can fly uh, at a lower cost than other places, even like Philadelphia or Charlotte or other places on the eastern seaboard. And um, so we're really excited about that. It allows us to grow to Europe and um, offer places like Ireland. And we're just really excited. We're actually starting Ireland back uh, in, in April of next year. And we're going to have a nice big 767 wide body aircraft and uh, really excited to get that going again and, and have your, your players and travelers uh, able to get back into to Dublin and Ireland. Yeah, that's going to be great. And that'll be our first home match and we can um, do a raffle and 
and, and get a lucky couple uh, to Ireland on vacation, which would be very, very cool. Um, and also, yeah. Bermuda, that Bermuda flight is so quick and easy as well, and that'll be important for us too as we um, continue to do work in Bermuda. It's a great getaway um, from a rugby yeah. perspective. Everyone loves Bermuda for sure. Uh, we we can't wait to get that going as well. And we actually are launching a lot of service this winter. Uh, we just are loading a lot of service to Florida and the Caribbean. We know people are going to want to get away this winter and, and get somewhere warm, which is great. Um, and we've got service already out there to the West Coast with LA and Seattle. And we found Salt Lake City is actually a pretty hot spot right now with people wanting to go into the mountains out west, uh, which is great. So. We, uh, we actually were 144 flights out of Boston in February. We're down right now to like the upper 40s, close to 50. And we want to get back up to that 150 range, hopefully in 2021, and, and really build our hub back up here. So we're, we're excited to give your your free jacks uh, and players a great service and, and just uh, in the Boston community as well. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I grew up in Salt Lake City, and that old hub, it was a hub for Western Airlines, and Delta took it over, and I've done that Boston, Salt Lake so many times. It's awesome. Like, I throw my skis in, my boot, I continue <laughs> in. You know, it's like right after work on a, you know, on a, on a Thursday, and then I'm skiing all day Friday before the crowds come, and I can get back, you know, to Boston that next night. It's like, you know, it's a four or five hour trip. I'm able to do work both ways. It's absolutely perfect. And yeah, we're, Have you ever done the uh, the trip where you land that morning, you show your, your Delta Pass, and they give you an ha- afternoon free of skiing? No, that's awesome. I need to do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a cool one. Uh, yeah, yeah, so close to the airport. You can get right up into the airport in a half an hour and, and be on the slopes. Yeah, when I was GM for USA Rugby, I'd have to go out to uh, Chula Vista, San Diego, twice a month on average. And so I'd, I'd head to San Diego, but then I'd always come back if I could via Salt Lake. And there was just that, you know, very hour, hour plus shuttle from San Diego to Salt Lake. And that was great. And shoot back to Boston. I got a day of skiing kind of in a, already a day of travel, which was, which was very cool. And certainly oh, that's great. super, uh, super excited to continue to um, travel on Delta. And we love it. And, you know, especially as our academy's built out, we just announced 13 regional training groups. Uh, as, as you may have seen in, in New England, right. excited for their opportunities to start touring and just be a part of, of the global game that is rugby, which is so, so very cool. So speaking of global game and things moving forward, travel, what is the future of travel? Like, are we going to be in little suits? Like what's going to happen? <laughs> How's this all going to work? Yeah, I think uh, a couple of things. One is is the vaccine, I think, is going to be the, the moment to kind of get things back on track and and really kind of get people back in the air. I think that people are, are they shouldn't feel uh, nervous flying right now. I think that what we found is, you know, with everything we've done, it's it's very safe. Um, we've got uh, air test quality going on out there that, that – um, that you can see it's actually 10 times uh, cleaner, the air quality, than your home or at the grocery store. Uh, we've got COVID testing of all of our employees, and we found that it's five and a half times lower than any COVID curve out there. So these are people on the front lines. So it's really not a concern to travel uh, by air. It's more about once you get to places and whether they're open, and what kind of restrictions are that in place when you go and, and do travel about quarantining. So um, so I think that's kind of the near term so, uh, story. It's more about um, having a place to land and go to. But uh, once the vaccine comes in, I think I think people will go back to uh, feel, feeling comfortable traveling without having to worry about a lot of this stuff. Even with that said, though, we are going to be 
hundred percent committed to the, the, the cleanliness and we've developed a clean organization that is going to be here uh, forever. Uh, we're not just doing this during the COVID era to clean the planes. We're going to be cleaning the planes going forward. And so we, uh, we've made that commitment. And so I think people will have a, a very clean plane going forward in, in the future. Um, I think that the industry is going to be a little bit smaller, so it won't be probably as easy to get around as they, they, as people were used to, but the good news is when you're in Boston, you've got a, a hub from Delta to get you there, but some of the other cities around the country will be a little bit harder to get to because there'll be discontinued service, uh, for various reasons, but over time that'll start to come back. Um, I think it'll be, <clears throat> I think it'll be a good experience, uh, going forward, but I think that, um, um, it's just going to take some time to get back. The other thing I will say is we, we've taken a different approach as well, where we're accelerating our plans into the future. So something like an airport terminal that we're building in LA or New York that would have taken four years, we're going to get that done in two years to save money. And so I think some of those investments, those big investments, whether it's Wi-Fi on the planes, because they're all on the ground, we're looking at putting Wi-Fi on the planes while they're on the ground. Whereas in the past, it might have taken a long time to get there. So I think the, the older aircraft as well are being retired. So I think people will have new planes, clean planes, Wi-Fi, newer terminals, you know, a better experience. It just won't be as, as big of a network, I think, because of the reduction in the industry, uh, which means just a little bit less maybe on frequency or, or nonstop flights to smaller, smaller cities. Yeah, you guys are working so hard to get us there, which is, which is really cool. Do you see like yeah. things, you know, Concord coming back and, you know, really, really fast travel to Europe and those type of planes coming back or. Yeah. You know, there's always talk about that. There's um, there's planes that are, are designed like a wing and you're actually flying in the wing and they can get more people on a plane like that and, and have it be more fuel efficient. And uh, there's definitely the supersonic discussion out there as well. And there's always speculation about that. I think the one that I, I really like is the idea of going up into space on uh, Virgin Galactic, which is Richard Branson's brand. And you could literally uh, fly places ultimately. You know, you could be in Australia within, you know, a couple hours or even less than that. So being able to kind of go long distances in, in very short periods of time, there's all sorts of stuff that people are talking about, but um, we'll just see how, how it all evolves. But there's a lot of cool ideas out there. That's very cool. Yeah, you almost like you have to get a license to do that. You have to like train to like, get on one of those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Become an astronaut. Yeah, he's like a mini astronaut, which would be very cool. Um, yeah, maybe we actually have a few astronauts, which is which is also very cool. Here's a bit yeah. of a rapid fire uh, for you: uh, okay. aisle or window seat? I'm a big uh, window seat guy, and they say that in today's uh, travel with, with COVID that it's better to have less contact with somebody walking by you. So, uh, a little bit of a better spot, but that's just me. I'm much more of an aisle. Definitely. Yeah. You're an aisle guy. Yeah, I'm just constantly moving. And, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the, the, the cookies or the roasted almonds. Oh, that's easy. I'm a cookie guy. Everyone loves the Biscoff cookies. And yeah, uh, those, are, those are fun. Okay, great. Do you have a preferred seat number that you pick? Uh, first class. Anything in first class sounds good. <laughs> to me. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I've always, for some reason twelve has always been my lucky number. But uh, so if I'm in like 10, 10 through fourteen in the front of coach, twelve seems to feel good to me. Yeah, 
That's great. And what is the best kept secret for selecting an economy seat then? So <clears throat> I think the best kept secret is, is this product called Comfort Plus. It's very cheap. It's only, in some cases, you know, 9 or $10 more. In some cases, it's maybe $15, $20, or $30 more. But you're in economy with, a, with more leg room. You've got a, a, a longer flight. You get um, free drinks. Uh, you get snacks. Uh, you get to board first. You get all sorts of benefits. But um, Comfort Plus is what you want, and that's it's still in economy, and it's very little difference in fare. Love that. What do um? Do, have you ever slept in those overhead bin beds on long haul flights? You know, I've never done that, uh, but I've seen them. And they look really, really nice. I would definitely like to take uh, take a try in one of those one time. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of future travel, and um, can I be in your next safety video? How do, how do sure. I do that? How I got to do a tryout? Sure, we can. Uh, we can give you a little. Uh, we have like a little clip you can put together, and we can send it in and see what they say. See if you make a whole team on there running up and down. It would be great. <laughs> Here's a question I ask everybody. If you were running the Free Jacks today, what would you be focusing on? Um, I would say that, that obviously the players are, are a big focus to me. The players are like my our employees at Delta and you know, giving them everything they can to succeed, to make sure that you're listening to them, giving them, uh, making sure that, the, that you take away any kind of uh, variables that, that would prevent them from being successful. So, if it's financial or health or training or whatever it is that they need, make sure that they get all that uh, resource and then uh, they will take care of, of the, the rest. If you can make sure you have, the, have, have them taken care of first, just like we do at Delta is what I would do, I, I would say. I love that. So, boys, you heard it here first. I'm going to be listening to you more often. It's <laughs> <laughs> so great to have you. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for all that Delta is doing. Thank you, everybody out there, for joining Full Contact CEO today. Uh, look forward to the next one. Cheers, Charlie. Thank, thanks, Alex. A pleasure talking to you, and I uh, look forward to seeing you in person at some point. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.